Mike Tomlin blames himself publicly, explicitly, for the loss out in L.A. And I am not buying this. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates every day right where you found this. In Tomlin's weekly press conference, he offered an unusual and specific self-critique of the 41-37 loss to the Chargers. And I just, well, before I even begin dissecting what it was that he said, here is what he said. We came up short in the game. Uh, Like I also mentioned, after the game, I take responsibility for that. Looking back at it, I felt that way instantly after the game, and I still feel that way. Uh, with the with the configuration of people that we had available to us on defense, we probably should have done some things differently, more out of our personality, to be quite honest with you. Drawing inside the lines when you got um, significant people missing kind of at every level, uh, we weren't able to, to, to be as good as we desired to be and win those moments versus a well-balanced group like that. Um, we weren't good enough to keep the quarterback in the pocket with our four-man rush. Under normal circumstances, our four-man rush probably is good enough to keep quarterbacks in the pocket. Um, Buffalo, for example, um, it was not good enough in those circumstances with, with, with some of the people that we were missing. Not only Watt, but Loudermilk has given us good quality reps in recent weeks, and so um, I, I thought that was a factor in the game. Um, you know, we, we, we were less, we were less um, aggressive in maybe some of our blitz game. Uh, we felt like we needed seven people in coverage, and and, and so we didn't get after them as much as we would like. Um, some of those things, it was just, uh, it was one of those games that was something to learn from, uh, particularly from a coach's perspective, um, and we will. Okay, so s- sticking with the defense here, since that was obviously most of his focus there, if I hear this correctly, Tomlin is saying that it's his fault that the team entered the game with a scheme that was too similar to the one that was deployed in Buffalo where they just put down four guys on the line and said, you get everything done and we're going to put seven guys in coverage to make sure that this guy can't pass, meaning Justin Herbert. And that didn't work because they don't have very many players left and then there was no adjustment and then they lost and gave up a zillion points and wasted what would have been the single biggest comeback victory in franchise history because the head coach okay Well, at another point of the press conference, the much touchier subject, at least by all appearances, was failing to give the ball to Najee Harris inside the five-yard line and instead trying all kinds of 
ridiculous uh, Matt Canada frivolity and getting shut down. On this one, Tomlin was not at all uh, reflective in any way, just wanted nothing to do with the subject. But he did acknowledge that he gets involved in the offense, and he doesn't make just suggestions. He will order a play. So he, in essence, also took blame for some of the offensive schematics that have been called into question about this game. All right. Here's what this actually sounds like. Adding it all up. Tomlin, Colin, my coordinators have no idea what the hell they're doing. Okay? They just don't. I'm sorry. I'm not going to bury them here in front of you all publicly, uh, sitting here at this desk with all these microphones in front of me. But listen, figure it out, people. Somebody's coming up with these schematics over the course of the week. Somebody's coming up with a master plan. And yes, I, as the head coach, I have not just the authority, but the responsibility to shoot it down if it's dumb. And I didn't do that because I trusted these quacks. But here I am telling you now, after the long flight home, after this really lousy loss, that these guys have they have no idea what they're doing. What am I supposed to do here? I'm the head coach, but i got to be head coach. i got to be doing head coach things. I can't also be the coordinators. Now i got to play call on both sides of the ball? Come on. That's... That's what I heard from Tomlin there. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees at Point Park. Choose when and how you prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.org. EDU. Understand, please, I am not absolving Tomlin of this. I have no doubt that he's speaking the truth when he takes ultimate responsibility for it. He is the head coach. As I said, he is the final check and balance on all of this. But it's also a lot easier to check and balance a plan that isn't stupid. The Butler plan, and I've been moaning about this all season long, that's been based on what worked against the Bills, was never going to apply across the board, least of all when you're missing football players, when you're missing significant football players. The reason it worked against Josh Allen is that you had T.J. Watt out on the field. You still had Tyson Alualu. You still had your secondary. To go into Los Angeles and be missing all these players, TJ, Minka, Hayden, and say, you know what, that Buffalo thing, that worked really well. Let's do that again. That's a difficult thing to overcome at midstream. It's difficult to dial up blitzes out of nowhere when you have 
even most of your secondary not knowing what they're doing, put into new positions. And then you're going to say, what, at halftime? Hey, you, who's never run a cornerback blitz in his life, we need you to run a cornerback blitz, even though you didn't practice it all week long. Do you see what I'm getting at now? The coordinator puts together the plan, the mindset, and their plan and their mindset was this idiotic thing. So what's Tomlin going to do? He's going to sit in his chair and say, you know, man, Butler really screwed this up. I'm not letting him do anything anymore. He can't. He can't. What he can say is, my bad, won't let it happen again. Oh, and by the way, I'm also very active in play calling, and they are not suggestions. This would be the day to say both of those things. Offense is different. Tomlin is principally a defensive coach. He's never going to be anywhere near as comfortable getting involved there. But you don't need to be Bill Walsh to figure out that you've got Najee Harris on your roster. You've got multiple cracks to get a handful of yards. Give him the football at least once. Take the coordinator's keys away when you get into these situations and say, my man, nobody cares how clever you are. Nobody cares if you get an attaboy on this play. All anybody cares about is the six points, all right? If you hand the ball to 22 and he scores a touchdown and it makes you feel better if we walk over and pat you on the head or something, we'll do that. But what matters is the touchdown here. That, I I, you know, I, I could be over-reading all this, but I, and, and for the third time now, I'm not absolving Tomlin. I'm just trying to understand and possibly even explain what it was that he was really getting at yesterday. When we come back, just one question. ridiculously high level of play this season will he become a hall of famer or will he lack the stats compared to some other defensive linemen well you ever want to get a rise out of cam bring up the subject of how interior defensive linemen are measured against their peers when they're the ones playing in a 3-4 system it's actually not fair. In the more conventional, more common, 4-3 alignment, the interior defensive tackles are expected to have greater pressure on the quarterback to get to the backfield more often. If you want to think of a, a good example of that in recent history, it's the Bengals when they had... Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap coming at you from the middle 
those guys were putting up monster numbers because other things were happening on the outside, on the fringes, and they were the ones that, you know, had to go and wreak havoc from within. The numbers, again, were expected. They're not really in a 3-4. Cam is making them happen this year with almost no support. And I'm not even being mean when I say that. Watch the film of Chris Wormley and Isaiah Bugs and some of these other guys getting steamrollered up front. Teams are finding a way to key on Cam a double, even triple him. They even tripled him at times in L.A. Once on the double, he spun through and still ended up getting Herbert. He is having, as you put it, an extraordinary season, including to the bar he'd already set for himself. He has risen above at age 32 and after a decade in the league, and that is some seriously rare air. Any athlete, any sport, to be doing it at this stage the way he is and having it be the best work, the pinnacle of his career from an individual standpoint, it's, it's, almost, it's almost hard to believe, except that he's Cam. He is as driven as anyone I've covered, uh, both on and off the field, And part of his drive, and I'm not going to speak out of turn when I share this with you, is, yeah, he he sees a Hall of Fame candidacy in his future. It's not what motivates him on a day-to-day basis. It's not what he feels will end up uh, defining his tenure with the Steelers. He knows that's going to be related to to wins and losses, but he does think about it. He is aware of it. And because he's put that goal, because he's put that um, way up there on the top shelf for himself to reach, by simple logic, he's also saying, He feels like he should perform at that level on a regular basis. And maybe because he is later in his career, he has found yet another notch. Because he's not going to be playing forever. And as you correctly point out, he's not going to have numbers. He's not going to have a case that will be easy for anyone to make to get him into Canton. What would be the best way for him to get noticed? Well, yeah, when? When? Because no matter what he does the rest of the way, and we've seen this already in some analyses, he's not going to get Defensive Player of the Year. He might not get Defensive Player of the Year on his own team. I think he will, but he might not. So you're going to have a a hard time him getting individual acknowledgments unless... The Steelers proceed 
through the playoffs and more and more people watch them and more and more people pay attention to what he does and he gets the opportunity to have bigger stages and to have the kind of impact that he's been having on games with the whole country watching. Uh, do I think he's there? I mean, that's tough. That's tough. I, I can't bring myself to say anything negative about Cam Hayward. Um, I, I'll say that I feel he has an opportunity. There, how's that for my diplomatic answer? I feel that if he continues as he has this season for this year and, and maybe even another one or another one after that, he'd very much be in the discussion for such a thing. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We will not have a show tomorrow because of Thanksgiving, but we'll be back Friday to talk about the game against the Bengals before I head on out to Cincinnati to cover that. 